Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. December was filled with holiday parties and cheer, a.k.a. a lot of booze. In fact, we're pretty well known as an intoxicant-forward town. But what about those who don't partake, and also those who may need a little break? Today on CityCast Las Vegas, I discussed the Dry January movement with co-host and culinary historian Sarah Lohman. We talk about where dry January comes from and what it means for a city like ours. It's Thursday, January 4th. I'm David Figler, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Sarah Lohman, ready to talk about sobriety with me. Yeah, I am. Let's All do right. it. Well, at least for January. So why dry January versus, I don't know, sober October? <laughs> yeah, this is it's so funny to me. Wait, you just made up sober October. Is that a thing? Yeah, no, it's not a thing. Although I've done a no, sober I October. It. I Googled yeah. it. It is a thing. Sober October. It? Yeah. It just rhymes. You, I figured it's a natural. You it into existence. I yeah, did. Yeah, you did do a sober October this year. I remember. And mm-hmm. okay, so dry January, it tended to pop up because, uh, as you mentioned, like the holidays are a big time for imbibing. We've got our office parties. We've got our families. Like we're tending to do a lot of drinking. And January is a time we associate with like renewal for the new year. So that is really why it's, you know, started up as a dry January, even though it doesn't sound as cool as a sober October. Mm, You lose that rhyme. You know, I had never actually heard of dry January until recently. So is it a modern invention? So yes and no. It was started in 2003 by Alcohol Change UK. So it's a, it was a, a a British movement to start, but now it's really international. Um, there are like millions of people who pledge to go through the month without uh, a drink. But at the same time, I really see this as the modern leg of you know a movement that is coming up on 200 years old, more than 200 years old. So this is sort of the uh, modern incarnation of the temperance movement. And I'm just going to like, do do we have some time for just spitting some brief temperance history? Yeah, go for it. I feel like a lot of people are very anti-temperance movement and I am actually a temperance stan. So let me let me throw you some historical stats at you, David. Strap in. So the year is 1820. All right. And the year uh, is 1820 is actually the way I prefer to be said. Thank the you. The year is 1820. 18- 20. Thank you. Uh, there is a historian named Rohrbach who wrote a great book called The Alcoholic Republic. Uh, he was able to put together stats of how much Americans drank per capita in different eras. The 1820s was our peak. It was a very tumultuous time. Andrew Jackson was president. The nation was new. There wasn't any sort of uh, nothing. Everything was decentralized. There was no government bank. It was just a, um, a, a volatile time on all fronts and people drank a lot. Would you like to guess how many gallons of pure ethanol people drank per capita from all sources? 
pure ethanol. Now, is that in most spirits now today, or are we talking moonshine? So ethanol is just uh, the alcohol that is just a little bit poison that's fun to drink. So that is the alcohol in beer, in cider. Which was the tagline. Yeah, just a, a just have a little poison that's fun to drink. A light poison. I'd like to be lightly poisoned, please. So yeah. it's beer, cider, wine, spirits, and that's what an APV is. It's like your percentage of alcohol versus water or whatever else might be in there. So I'm guessing how many uh, gallons units per person of this per year. Yeah, per person per year. Um, Okay. Well, I can uh, let me give you a little bit of help here. The per capita in ingestion of ethanol from all sources today is about yeah. two point seven five gallons. Okay. Do you I'm think it just, was more or less? I'm gonna go big. It was more and it was ten gallons per Oh my year. god. Yeah. It was not quite that high. Well, okay. But it kind of was. So the, the per capita. <laughs> in some per, quarters. Okay, it kind of was. Well, here's what it breaks down to. Like the original statistics are like if every man, woman, and child was drinking the same amount, every American would have consumed four gallons of ethanol per capita per year from all sources. Okay. But since in the 1820s, women, children, the enslaved, and indigenous people were drinking a lot less than white men, European men. When you rejigger the statistics, white men. No pun men intended. In eight, yes, no pun intended. In 1820, were drinking 20 gallons of pure ethanol per capita. Oh my God. So I was, I wasn't way high. I was, so to speak, I was way low. Yeah. You kind of hit the average, right? And what that breaks down to is one full cup. So eight ounces of devil's cut vodka per day per man. Wow. Yeah. So it was a boozy time. It was a boozy time. It was a problem. We were, we were like, nationally a mess. And so out of this very alcoholic time arose the temperance movement. They were it was founded by Calvinists in 1818 actually like uni- like uh university students essentially uh, who were in the seminary. And basically what it wanted to provide is what alcohol provided without the alcohol, which uh, David you you have had a drink of alcohol in your in your life, correct? Confirmed. Confirmed. Uh, so one of the things that I most commonly hear is that people drank more back then because the water was bad. So that's why you drank, right? I, I just like to be social. Boom. And I've, I've acquired um, a palate to enjoy certain cocktails over others. Boom. That's that's it. People drank because of the camaraderie, the socialness, the lack of other beverages, too. And it was also felt like a way that they were both being social and like having a little um, control over their own lives in a time that they felt out of control. Like mm-hmm. I could do this and get wasted. So the temperance movement provided that without alcohol. They uh, would they were a social group. They provide alternate holidays like all of our holidays were super drunken. They would provide family friendly things. They provided an outlet in a time when really all you had was home and the bar. They provided a third space that was often connected to religion. Now, things got worse because even though in the beginning this was a very because positive religion. thing. Because religion. <laughs> that is it. Oh. This, this was the start of also the evangelical movement, if you can believe it. It came from the temperance movement. Sure. And so there was this switch uh, in the mid-19th century between like, let's just create an alternative to alcohol to shaming people who drank and telling them they were going to burn in hell. And that ah. is ultimately what led to prohibition, this idea that we're not giving people choices, we're taking one choice away. And I, I think that's what evangelicalism has honestly done like ever since. So prohibition actually was very effective in stopping people from drinking. But it was an economic disaster for America. That's probably a a whole different talk. Oh, yeah. And political power struggles and all the other stuff. All right. So really interesting background. I I do have one quickie question before I want to get into the parameters, if you will, of dry January. Sure, sure. Do they also include like, you know, 
um, funny gummies? You know, I think that both those questions are in one because I a lot of what Dry January is, is about personal freedom. You know, in the 1820s, we felt power through choosing to drink, and now we can feel power through choosing not to drink, right? And so it's really up to you, David, if like your Dry January can't include marijuana in any of its forms, that's totally fine. Or maybe someone else's Dry January focuses on not indulging in weed because they see that is something that they're leaning on a little too much to cope. So it really has to do with personal choice. Hey, it's David Figler, and one of my favorite food festivals is coming back to town. It's Vegas Unstripped over at the Palms Hotel on Saturday, May 18th. Over two dozen chefs from some of Las Vegas's most talked about restaurants creating original, unique menu items they've never made before. Chef creativity at its best. We're talking chefs from Partage, Esther's Kitchen, Milpa, EDO, and more, including this year's James Beard Award finalist Steve Kessler from Aroma. Tickets are $150 and are all-inclusive of food and drink, so you don't have to pay for anything once you're inside. No hidden up charges. I went last year, and it was so crowded in the best possible way. We got one remarkable dish after another, and while it was a little indulgent, here's the best part. The net proceeds go to local charities. So head on over to VegasUnstripped.com to get your tickets now. We'll see you there. All right. Well, Sarah, let's say I give this a shot and do the full 30 days. I mean, I don't know. Honestly, does it make a big difference? I mean, if I'm back off the wagon on February 1, what was really the point? That is okay. That is the shocking thing that actually it does make a huge difference. So this, uh, you know, has now been going on for over a decade. So there have been a couple papers authored on the long term and short term effects of a dry January of one month without drinking. The most interesting one, which still does need some more research, is that early studies have shown that if you take one month off drinking, you tend to drink less the rest of the year. So having that total like cold turkey sober month means that you're making different choices moving forward and affects your alcohol uh, intake for an entire 12 month period. Wow. Like a recalibration at the beginning at the top of the year. Absolutely. And they're, mm. they were kind of recounting it like early on to like, well, people just learn that they can have fun without it. Um, and you know what? I will say that I think dry January has had a bigger effect on how America views sobriety. Um, I think certainly, David, would you say you're a Gen Xer? Is that right? Yeah, squarely. Loud and proud. I'm an elder millennial, and I think that ours is very much a culture of like pounding a 12 pack of light beer um, and, and like some really unhealthy drinking habits. And even when Dry January started, like if you weren't drinking for some reason, because there's many reasons someone isn't drinking, you showed up at a bar. I feel like people in my circles would be like, why are you drinking? And you get side eyes from bartenders. Mm. And that whole attitude has dramatically changed. So it's not just personal changes, and I can't have fun without drinking. There's been a society shift here in America of like, oh, you're not drinking? No problem, right? So that's, I think, a a huge shift that's really important. But as far as like personal health, so um, they did a survey. People take place in dry January. They do it every year. 67% say they slept better and had more energy. More than half lost weight and more than half 
reported better skin in just a month, too. But there's also some really important health effects, too. Um, There was a decrease in blood pressure around 5% and an improvement in diabetes risk of almost 30%. So there is, and again, this is just from one month of drinking that then leads to better choices year year round. But the test they're taking at the beginning and the end of dry January is showing a huge difference. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, the sort of social, I don't know, stigma of not drinking. And I'm wondering, is it a little more so in Las Vegas? Because it's so prevalent. I mean, while it is slowly creeping up, We do have less last call than other places. That is really hard to say. Yeah. And there's also just this prevalence of alcohol everywhere. In a lot of places, it's even free. Do you think it's harder to do a dry January in, in a place like ours? You know, I think that the outside perception of Vegas is, you know, a lot of my sober friends a- avoid it, won't won't sort of even give it a chance because the temptation is so strong. I actually saw John Mulaney perform here during my first week in Vegas, and he commented that he had to have like uh, an entourage around him at all times as someone in recovery in Vegas. So absolutely, it can be hard. But I think that temptation certainly exists a lot more on the strip, and there's a lot more options for us locals. My best friend here, Kim Miller, she runs Sober in Vegas. Vegas on Instagram and the website. So she has lived here as a sober adult. And part of the reason that I moved here was that through her Instagram, she showed me an entirely other Vegas separated from substance abuse, essentially. But also because of this broader shift, like you can go into great bars both on the strip and off, and they now have a really lengthy non-alcoholic beverage menu, whether that's non-alcoholic beers or cocktails or whatever it is, mocktails. Um, and even if they don't, there are uh, most of the bars around here, if you ask them to make you something non-alcoholic, um, they absolutely will. I think some of that is capitalism, that bars just realize they can make money off of people not drinking. Yeah. Uh, but I hated it if there was some reason I wasn't drinking, let's say, a decade ago, and I go to a bar and get side eye, you know, if I ordered a, a Diet Coke or something like that. Right. So there's been a, a shift in terms of the hospitality industry as well. Although I do I do think that the stigma is hanging on here probably longer mm. than it does in other places. I mean, also see also smoking indoors. But Totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you've done dry January and I yeah. don't like going into bars if I was doing it and say, Oh, give me a Diet Coke or God forbid they just push on some very juicy thing at you that has nothing Heartburn. but sugar yeah. and juice in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what are some good Las Vegas hacks for dry January? Totally. So whether I'm at home or if I'm meeting friends at a bar, my favorite drink to order is just a bitters and seltzer. Or I think you guys use the word soda out here. I asked someone for a seltzer once and they looked at me like I was crazy. Is that mm-hmm. what's yeah. the local vernacular on that? Yeah. No, it's it's uh, soda. Soda. Okay, so bitters and soda. Um, At home, I mean, there's just like literally hundreds of different bitters on the market that you can purchase and use at home. Um, And at bars, if you're going to a craft cocktail bar, they've probably made their own bitters. So they get like really excited to pour you something that's really going to feature their hard work. Now, most bitters are made with alcohol. So but you're putting in, you know, a a couple drops. Yeah, very modest amount. 
So again, it's where are your personal boundaries? Like, how sober are you going? And I, to me, that's okay. Um, Kim, sober in Vegas, she loves an alcoholic beer, and she also loves hop water as well, which is basically like seltzer flavored with hops. She really misses sort of hoppy beers. Um, she also, she does love going to tiki places. She appoints to Frankie's, like our local tiki dive bar. She yeah. says the bartenders are great. They'll just ask you like what kind of flavor profile you like and then make you an alcoholic drink that matches that and put it in a tiki glass too. So you can also fly under the radar. I also talked to someone else who usually does a annual dry January. That's contributor Andrew Corrali. And he gave a couple great tips for great bars around town too. He said that Liquid Diet, which was relatively new downtown, they've got a finely curated cocktail menu with non-alcoholic options. They actually call them Mixicological Wizards. So that's a pretty <laughs> high compliment. I will I think. confirm that. Yeah, you're into them? They're, well, I will confirm having been there, they have an entire professional-grade kitchen that is devoted not for food, but for cocktail ingredients. Wow. So, yeah, they go over over the top over there. So you're going to get some amazing stuff there. He also recommended Main Street Provisions, which is a favorite of both of ours, especially CJ the bartender, who can make some non-alcoholic magic, quote unquote. Um, in general, too. Oh, you know what? You were just talking to me about the new pirate dog pirate bar, too. Yes, right? You were there. Pirate. You were not drinking. What was it? Straight pirate. So they also offered you non-alcoholic options as well. Yeah, they had their menu of what I would consider tiki-forward concoctions that had a mm -hmm. lot of ingredients. But they also had non-alcoholic spirits that parrot yeah. things like gin, etc. Yeah, yeah. Seedlip is a, is a really well-known brand, but there's lots of distilled non-alcoholic spirits out there. And I also just want to shout out Circa, which is kind of my favorite Fremont casino bar. I mean, it's cool because you hang out next to Vegas Vicky, but they also have a whole page of non-alcoholic beers and a whole page of non-alcoholic cocktails. So, like, there seem to be endless options and no side eye. So feel comfortable ordering a non-alcoholic option when you're if you still want to meet up your drinking friends at a bar. I mean, I love it. And I, I, I do love the idea that if there is a potential for people to be limiting their alcohol intake, especially if they're, you know, bent on driving. Yeah. I, I mean, so much of our city's tourism offerings are centered around alcohol. Yeah. I, I wonder, should Las Vegas maybe not be so afraid of dry January? I don't think so, because I think that part of bars coming on, bars and restaurants coming on board with a non-alcoholic trend is capitalism. Instead of being like, oh, someone who's not drinking is shouldn't be here. They're not. I'm not going to make any money off of them. Someone said, wait, we could totally make money off of them because people who aren't drinking are still showing up in bars. So why don't we cater to them? And I think that just you pointing out that this is a driving city is huge. You know, Dry January is now an international event with millions of people participating. But there are dozens of reasons that someone might not drink for a day, a week, a month, or the rest of their life. And so this shift has also meant more support and understanding of the, so the sober community, too. And uh, none of those questions of why aren't you drinking anymore? And you get to enjoy some delicious uh, beverages. Now, I'm catching it by the tone of your voice, but I, I definitely need to ask the question, um, are you going to be doing... Dry January. January this year. 
Okay, well, here's my thing. My birthday is January 15th, so I historically do a dry January 16th to February 16th. I give myself the (laughs) gift of the birthdays. And honestly, David, I am a drinker, as you know, but my big problem is actually with sugar and bakery. So in addition to a dry January, I actually do a sugar-free month to sort of recalibrate that for myself. My true addiction is pastry. Uh, what about you, David? I know you did a sober October. Are you going to do a dry January? I don't know. I mean, you make some really good points. I mean, just for lowering alcohol intake as is. But I don't yeah. know. I'm like perusing January holidays and I'm seeing, oh, uh, let's see here. Winnie the Pooh Day on January 18th. I, yeah, hard drinking day. I, that's a hard drinking day. I want to go get a bee's knees over at Herbs and Rye. Sure. So, yeah, we'll, um, I don't know. We'll uh, We'll see how it goes and I'll report back to you. If you see me falling down, the answer is probably nah. <laughs> Listen, can I just say this? You know, the dry January is there for the camaraderie of have, knowing that a lot of people are doing it with you and the support. Yeah. But honestly, anyone can take a break at any time. And that's why I shift myself two weeks later. And um, there is some recommendation that, like, you don't have to be perfect to succeed at dry January. Put a couple cheat days in your pocket, you know, like two nights, the one that might sneak up on you and one that you planned. And that is still a success in my mind. Great advice. Great info as always. Sarah Lohman, thanks for joining us today on CityCast Las Vegas. Thanks so much, David. And that's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show, leave us a review, pop a cold one, uh, let it or unlet it, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Till then, y'all stay lucky. also really like um there's a cocktail it's called the phony negroni um and it's by a company in brooklyn called saint agrestis and it is so delicious it's sort of like a you have one david i am showing you one right now